Hello and welcome to Propnex, the property podcast focusing on issues that impact the future of the real estate industry. I'm your host, Gavin Morgan, and in addition to looking forward to today's and future conversations, if you'd like to know a little bit more about me, please look on www.propnex.com. That's www.propnx.com. Or if you'd like to chat privately, drop me a line on Gavin R. Morgan at propnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com on email. Gavin Phillips, it's absolutely fantastic to welcome you onto the show today. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm going to ask you, Gavin, uh, to introduce yourself in a second, but obviously to introduce you properly first um, in, your, in your current role as regional uh, vice president in the European business uh, of IWG uh, and sitting in and around one of the most interesting spaces in, uh, in real estate today, the, the flexible space. Uh, Gav, maybe um, just tell us a little bit more about your role, experience, background. Please. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've been very fortunate, actually, to have a, a global career. So I worked in, in the UK, uh, the Middle East, Australia, and covering Asia Pacific, and now in Amsterdam. And, and really always been very, very fascinated with, with real estate, but wanted to kind of get a kind of a holistic grounding of all the different aspects. So I worked in construction, consultancy, both on the occupier side, the workplace, and the investor side. Now, obviously, very heavily into the operating operating business through flexible space, and also um, with, within previous roles, looking more entrepreneurship, so developing concepts and taking those concepts right the way through to to, to operation. Um, so, so been as I say, been been lucky to kind of cover different aspects across different geographies and, and multiple different cultures, which is which has given me an interesting insight into what's happening. Not just here in Europe, but all across all across the world right now. Yeah, indeed. And, and flexible space. I mean, y- you and I have had so many conversations about this. Uh, it's a bit of a passion that we both share. Just sort of not just looking at where it's going, but trying to play a little bit of a part in informing uh, yes. where it's going to take the real estate industry. How would you explain the industry today around flex? Yeah, first, I mean, let's look at the evolution. So, thirty years ago. Regis started in Belgium, you know, much more of a business center concept, frictionless experience. You kind of walk in, you can use it, um, you can use it on demand. And, 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 and typically for smaller organizations that wanted to access space and didn't want to have the, the capacity to go worry about how they built it, how they operated it, how they got it all set up. Then it went really heavily, or there was a kind of a new segment that came in, which is what I would call traditional co-working, you know, where much more open spaces, much more membership focused, actually. So um, more, of, more of a purpose-driven product yeah, where yeah. you tended to have smaller companies or entrepreneurs in a space really trying to help each other grow and develop and build, build their businesses. And now, and I kind of, I'm almost loathe to use this word, but we're now almost in a hybrid of those two concepts, which seems to be the, 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 the evolution in terms of the flexible space sector where you've got... Mm-hmm. You know, slightly smaller business centres than, or, or sorry, club spaces than those co-working, co-working products, and slightly, um, you know, less 
events and programming, but much more of a service hospitality um, experience level product. So your corporates can tap into it because they want to access and get closer to those the, the, the startup community and also the flexibility of flexible space, um, but also the traditional people that use business centres and want to plug in and play yeah. can, can also access those the, those spaces. You know, and, and then we're also seeing an evolution or a kind of um, a new segment coming, which are these what I would call club spaces. So you've got very purpose driven, very lifestyle oriented, very activation focused, so events, programming, food. Um, wellness, etc., where you know those concept those concepts probably cater to a very niche market. So it could be that they cater to C suites, it could be that they take cater to women's clubs or health and well being, but very kind of hyper purpose driven, um, which is which is also coming into the market, but much mm-hmm. more in a in a smaller way. Let's say, yeah, I, I totally agree. And so just sort of twisting a bit to. Um, the future. I mean, Gavin, as you know, I mean, I, I think the future is very exciting in this space. I do think we're at a point through a big evolution in how commercial real estate is being used. Um, I think the right marriage between traditional office space uh, and dynamic flexibility or different types of flexibility not only makes buildings and partnerships between landlords and tenants a lot stickier in the future than they are today. But I also actually think structured the right way is it probably improves profitability for owners and gives occupiers a, a more dynamic uh, environment for their employees at a better cost than they're paying today. Mm-hmm. But just on the, um, you've talked to, you mentioned the word purpose several times already in the conversation, and it's so important for employees, um, you know, with many, uh, you know, with many of the things that they're being driven by in addition to profitability, just on the sustainability and the wellness side of things, um, flexibility, how does that, how is that a better uh, release or how does flexibility better inform a, a future around wellness uh, and sustainability that better suits the employees of organizations of the future? Well, I think we're seeing a lot of macro trends, right, playing out out right now so you've got you know why is flexible space growing at the way it is well you know all the things around choice flexibility economic uncertainty but but i think if, when you start to look at health and sustainability they're also part of those macro trends right which have only been accelerated by um by covid so so what you're getting is is individuals saying to corporates we want to be part of an organization that cares about you know our health and well-being, and I'm starting to even coin it in this but but really look at it in this way, which is you should probably look at it as sustainable people, sustainable communities, and sustainable environment. And actually, that's the way I'm starting to kind of look at it and frame the conversations that we're having internally in our business. Because I think that if you look at it that way, you create a much healthier picture, but a much clearer picture, which is. One, sustainability isn't different to health. It's just a different part of sustainability. But also, you know, the, 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 this, is, this is only going to get more and more important with, you know, what's happening with the climate, what's happening with, you know, the, the environment generally. But I also think what's happening with obesity and challenges around you know, health for individuals. And, and as I say, there's a lot of data out there that points to the fact that users or individuals are more likely to choose an organisation that has 
want a clear purpose and, and purpose-based organizations also perform better on the stock markets you know so there's, there's an economic driver but also they want to be part of those organizations that are going to kind of be very conscious about their own health and well-being but also the environment and the support that they give to the environment and also that social responsibility the way they're giving back to those local communities and positively impacting those local communities so i think if you're a corporate or a landlord if you're a landlord and you can help deliver some of those pieces to the corporates is really valuable for those corporates to be able to offer that to their, you know, their, I call them their users, which I probably shouldn't, but their employees, you know, of, of those spaces, because ultimately it, it has value and it'll help those organizations attract and retain the right talent. Yeah. But also from a landlord's perspective, it might, you know, it's probably more likely to help them attract and retain the right customers, you know, or use yeah. of their buildings. And what excites me, Gavin, what excites me about the space is for a long time in the industry, when I've looked at sustainability and flexibility and other things, um, like it or not, it's been difficult to uh, encourage a lot of advancement because it's been hard to match profitability or better revenue or a more efficient operating platform uh, mm -hmm. with those goals. But we live in a world today where sustainability uh, or sustainability deployed in the right way and I think flexibility and further development of the flexible dynamic in buildings actually does drive profitability for both owner and occupier, um, which is why I think there's going to be a lot of progress made. Um, yeah. uh, horrible question, uh, just off the back of that. What does office space look like in 10 years if things continue to develop down the type of track that we're talking about? I think what's in, you know what's really exciting, right? Because... If you look at where it could go, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, ifs, buts and maybes around challenges with valuations and things like that. But I think it looks different based on asset class and location, firstly. So I think if you if you look at, you know, kind of prime assets in good locations as, a, as an example, you know, I think that if I look at the way landlords look at this and then I look at the way the operators could go, I think it's probably an interesting way to kind of look at both. I think... There's definitely a, a way I think landlords become more operators, not in the way that they become flex operators necessarily, but I think they become more focused on customers, customer needs, customer preferences, evolution of their product. So they become, you know, whether you want to say it's more like hotel operators, flex operators, et cetera, but they become much more customer centric, where I think some landlords are going that direction already. You know, I do want to make that point. It's absolutely not that, that, that nobody's going in that direction, but they, 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 the evolution of their products and services based on data, insights, customer offerings is where I think that will go. So what does that look like in a product? Yeah, I think what it looks like is a much more service-designed building. I think it probably looks like, you know, healthy food, you know, uh, the, the, the building to, to belong to the community or give back to the community in different ways. I think it looks like when I talk about service design, it means just like when you, you walk through the front door to when you get to your elevators to your building, those touch points are really well thought out and they're operated on. So, so be that through technology, be that through human experiences, um, they're, they're much more consciously organised. I think the, the landlords, to enable that to happen, if I look at the landlord side, may need to take positions or investments or joint ventures in, be that flex, be that food, be that 
sustainable, you know, uh, concepts or sustainable, um, you know, organisations because then they can have a level of influence over how that product changes and evolves continuously to support those customer needs. Um, and I think they become more experiential locations. Yeah. So again, to put that in English, what does that actually mean? It probably means they're more, when people come together, they're more about creating, collaborating, connecting, and the building is designed to deliver that. So it might be more event spaces. It might be that they program events. It might even be that, again, if I look at the operator side, I can see operators owning food businesses, owning events businesses, owning, you know, owning subscriptions potentially of what, what you know, their users are delivering. So if you look at the challenge that we've got with inflation at the minute, people are looking and, involved and, and kind of analysing continuously. Do they have too many subscriptions? Because everybody, myself included, subscribe to this, that and the other during lockdown. And actually now I'm going, do I really need my subscription to this or that or something else? Where I think the operators could actually end up owning subscriptions to lifestyle elements, which could be, yeah. could be quite interesting. And again, if you plug that into a landlord partnership, you're then almost walking into something that feels very, very different to what it is today because it is, feels like it's been designed for the way you want to live and take some of those friction points mm -hmm. out of your personal life versus just taking friction out of your work life, which I think is quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, Gav, I, t <clears throat> I totally agree. And I mean, you've heard me talk about ecosystems before. Like you and I have chatted about that lots too. And I think buildings, uh, I think the building in 10 years, I mean, it, to put it in other terms, they're going to, buildings will be dynamic ecosystems. And when you think about how a portfolio owner could create a dynamic ecosystem with multiple buildings and grade yeah. level and subgrade level space, I mean, it's incredibly exciting. Of course, individual building owners can do that too by leveraging yes. what's around the buildings. But what's well, interesting, one interesting about point, just before we move on that, because I think that's a really interesting point, is that if you're a you know if you're a portfolio landlord and you also have much more rigor around your understanding of your customers, where their users live, work, and play, and all those kind of you know interesting interesting points, is you could even not just operate flex in your building. You could have a flex site in one of those locations where, let's say, you know all of your all, 70% of the, the employees that, that, that work for the companies in your building tend to live in a certain demographic. Well, maybe you even take a position in a flexible operation or have a really close tie-up with a flexible operation in those locations because then you can start to offer hub and spoke from a land, you know, with, with in partnership with those operators in a way that, you know, you're, as I say, you're, you, you start to make it more difficult, and I mean this in the most positive way, but more difficult for people to leave your building because you're catering, you're solving problems. Partly they didn't even know they had historically, and, and therefore you're creating opportunities to create much stronger partnerships rather than just the kind of tenant-landlord relationship that it yeah. was historically. Yeah, and I think, Gav, I think we could see not only leases potentially abolished, I think we could move in the future to something that looks more like sort of partnership-oriented management agreements. Um, if you think about a portfolio operated as an ecosystem, you know, using data to properly determine users' needs, I mean, the efficiency, the efficiency that that would drive, the amount of waste that it would reduce, you know, that lends toward a much more sustainable environment for owners and users, 
you know, never mind, you know, the additional dynamic you get, uh, the better profitability from the landlord and tenant. I mean, it just feels like such a logical direction. And I mean, okay, you know, I've talked about sort of tiered membership systems in environments like yes. that before, you know, where occupiers in future buy, you know, whether it's a diamond, a platinum, a gold yes. or a bronze and, um, and get to use you know, better or different elements for different spaces of time for those qualities or, you know, for those tiers of ownership. Uh, well, that just, goes back to loyalty, right? So, yeah, so that goes back to, yeah. you know, if you look at, for example, the, the, the best example I've, I've seen of this anywhere in the world is the Qantas loyalty program. Now, I'm not saying this is the best loyalty program in the world, but but actually I think I read something two or three years ago where a third of credit card spend in Australia could be traced back to Qantas loyalty program. So, I mean, actually, if you look at this from a, again, if you are a portfolio landlord, and I think you can do it in different ways if you're smaller landlords, but, and, and I'm being very, you know, f- future focused or theoretical here rather than, rather than the reality, of certain things at the minute. But I could see a world where if you're much more customer centric, you understand, you know, how to do that. If you're a, if you're a big portfolio landlord, maybe, or, or a, an operator, maybe you own the experience of 500,000 people every day. Well, that's quite exciting. If you look at a data-driven world, you can yeah. create some quite powerful, interesting partnerships, alliances, um, you know, relationships to create one great customer service, great customer experiences, great operations locally, but also, again, design those subscriptions, those lifestyle elements that if you are spending money in that building, get rewarded for those things. I was, I was having a cracking conversation with a food operator the other day. They, they, they got a way where if you spend... If you spend money in their in their in their at cafes, you get rewarded, you know, and, and for, through through the, their wellness partners. We we were talking to to we I had a conversation with someone the other day that was, you know, in both you know food and, and also looking at wellness, and they were rewarding people for going go, going to the gym, giving them giving them discounts yeah. in the food outlets, yeah. you know, and actually. Again, I think if you're a large-scale oper- uh, landlord or you're a large-scale operator, you've got so many opportunities because you own the experience of significant portions of people every day. Now, it doesn't, you don't need to be a large-scale um, you know, investor, landlord, operator to do some of these things, but, but you, you have different opportunities to win through relationships and alliances yeah. locally you know, if, if you're not those people. Yeah. So, Gavin, rounding up with that, thank you. As I said earlier on the podcast, I find this such an interesting space and I do think that flexibility and the faster deployment of technology into real estate are really going to take property ecosystems into a place in the near future that we could never have envisaged, particularly in an industry that has been such a slow adopter of technology and that has moved relatively slowly over the past several decades up to a point i would say about two or three years ago where we've really started to see things change quite quickly my bet is that over the next five years we're going to see the challenge that we've talked about to traditional leases we'll see owners looking at membership models that offer a much more dynamic environment to occupiers within the envelope of either a building or within the ecosystem that's offered by real estate portfolios, particularly those that are clustered closely together. For sure, it's one of the most interesting spaces to watch in the industry. And I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you 
as well as keeping an eye on what happens and seeing it if it develops as we think moving forward. Thanks again for taking the time to join us. It's been terrific talking to you on this topic and we'll hopefully have you back again on the show soon. Thank you. Have a good day. So that's a wrap for today's podcast. And it just leaves it for me to thank you very much for tuning in and listening to our conversation. And as I mentioned at the beginning, if you'd like any information uh, or you want to have a chat, uh, drop me a line on Gavin R. Morgan at propnext.com, G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnext.com. Or there's more information, as I said earlier, too, on www.propnext.com. That's www.propnext.com. I look forward to speaking with you in future podcasts, and thank you again.